0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Who is Joe Biden's vice president?
1: I have honestly no idea. Ooh, great question, no idea. Tamara. I mean, what is it? Kamala Harris. Gosteya.
2: Can you name the three
0: branches of government? The... Oh, um, Republican, Democrat, and then I think moderate, <laughs> legislative, judicial, and consecutive. So that is
2: an example. We went to, uh, we brought the microphones out, and we asked people some basic things. You see on uh, some of the late night shows too. Uh, that was for Jesse Waters show, just about what how little people know about what's going on in the news today, and certainly about history. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss with us now, Academy Award-winning actor and author of One Score at One Thought Scares Me. We teach our children what we wish them to know. We don't teach our children what we don't wish them to know. And, Richard, great to see you in studio. Thank and you. if you're watching Fox Nation, you recognize him from every film that was any good. Um, so, <laughs> so, Richard, you were listening to that. And what did you just tell me while, while you They were going to
1: blame the kids and not really aim correctly because it's what they're taught – and what they're not taught, and teachers are not the guilty party, but it's the policymakers who say, don't teach that, and uh, school boards, and you cannot uh, blame teachers and, and then, of course, pay them like kitchen help. Um, you have to really commit to an honest history, and when you do that, you have to live up to it. And that means every sin we've ever committed, and we have committed sins, every sin we've committed, every grand gesture we've committed, we have to be, we have to have the, the same bragging rights right. for those as we have for telling the truth about yeah. our past.
2: So um, if you just move a little closer to the microphone, that would ah. make Eric happy. Uh, so Richard, I'm reading your book. And you talk about uh, – you're concerned. People don't understand how great this country is. We right. never said you're perfect. But you talk. You grew up – you always love – you personally love reading history. Yeah. Love reading about our past. It's fascinating. There's no history quite like it. Right. It doesn't mean we walk on water and that Jefferson was perfect and that Washington never made a mistake. But <laughs> the world is a better place because America exists. Yes. And you're concerned like I am that people might not realize that they'll live here.
1: Well, you have the uh... – One day I was watching Denise D'Souza on on Mike Huckabee and he was saying that he had written a book called America, What the World Would Be Like Without Us. And I got up, went to the bookstore, bought the book, came back home, read the book and then went grumpy because in his book he didn't answer his title. He had named it, but he didn't get anywhere near answering. it. So they called me that day, Mike, and said, you want to come down and be on the show? And I said, yes. And I walked in, and there was a D'Souza, and I said, what did you think? And I said, uh, I'm very confused and frustrated because You had an incredibly provocative title, and I want to see that world because I think that would be an incredible history class. What would the world be like without us? Wow. But you didn't. All you did was say how great we were. You didn't compare it. But
2: Yeah, I think if Dinesh D'Souza, I think in a way he's saying, look at how we changed the world by our existence, how many democracies had come from there giving people a say in their government.
1: But you see, they don't know that there was a change, so that wasn't the um, thoughtful uh, conclusion of their thinking. They didn't. He didn't compare it to anything. He just described how great we were, and and if he had compared it to any country, whether it was England or Russia or China or whoever, that would have been of some value. Gotcha.
2: So, so what, do you, what do you want to get across to our listeners right
1: now? Well, a lot of things, but there was a revolution. And there's a revolution only when you turn the values of the entire world on their head. And that's what we did. We turned the power of the sovereign, kicked the sovereign out, and handed that power to all of the people. And that was not only not done, that was as revolutionary a move as you can possibly create. And we risked the nation on that idea that we could confidently educate our poorest and educate our most enslaved and they would be smart enough to run the country or to create art or to create this or that. And they were out to create intellectual resource pools and know and know that the people swimming around in those pools were all going to be smart enough to be president or senator or something, and they weren't ever educated that well. And I would say they tried to and gave it a good shot for a long time. And then after World War II, they said, I don't think it's good to risk our children on this anymore. And they threw it away. Who's they? Uh, Educators. Educators and politicians.
2: And you write in your book that after World War II, it's our zenith. You know, we freed the world. We beat the bad guys. We led right. the world, and we rebuilt the places that we blew up. Uh, That's right, with the Marshall Plan.
1: And and we and we didn't um, brag about it. We did it. We did good things, not talked about them. And all over the world, people admired us for all the right reasons. And before you could blink, they had removed. Civics, the study of the Constitution, the study of the Bill of Rights, the birth tale of America, these things had always been taught, and now they were not. Uh, they didn't disappear. They were turned over to social studies, which is one floor up and in the back of so the building. Yeah, and they were turned from actual events in our history to a gentle panorama as a description of our way of life
2: and and i remember one politician came out recently and said you know america was never that great you know and maybe contrast to uh... president that said america make america great again but what i always think is people think when you say a country is great it's perfect and you make clear in your first words in your book you never said that but i think what makes us great these are my words is that we try to be that we try to make it better we identify it. When party identifies, another party identifies, and we try to make it better. Was right. slavery right? Absolutely not. Do we, we fight a war to fix it? Yes. Is Jim Crow terrible? Absolutely. Did we, Is there black and white water fountains now in the south? Are people telling you to go to the back of the buses? No. We, we owned up to it. Riots in the streets. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pretty. But we fixed it, and we, again, are still this country that wants to be better and better. And you're concerned that we don't understand that.
1: We don't want the same things we used to want, and I hope to God we relearn that ambition and relearn that um, goal because I have seen audiences acquire outrage on their faces when you describe what's happened, and they're outraged that their children are not getting what they should. Well, they come and back I have, when they, when they and I have things seen those same parents have outrage disappear from their faces before they get to their car. And the commitment of making it work disappears. And what is that commitment? It's the commitment to the idea that Jefferson wrote that said that these people, we are the sovereign power in this country. We have the same power in collective ...as the monarch and the sovereign. Now, do we know that? Do we act on that? Or some in, alche- in some sick alchemic way, when we vote and we're voting some guy in, he thinks he's been made our boss. And he's not only not our boss... But somehow we've got to get across to him. Mm -hmm. If you don't listen to your constituency, if you don't listen to us who put you there, we will rip you out of that office so fast you would not blink. Right. And they are absolutely impervious to that because they know that we don't have the guts or the knowledge to do it.
2: So, also Richard Dreyfuss, our guest, you recognize the voice, of course. If you're not watching Fox Nation, you're not seeing them. We're privileged to have him here. He's also got the Dreyfus Civics Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization launched in 08. It aims to revive the teaching of civics in American public edu- education to empower future generations with the critical thinking skills they need to fulfill the vast potential of American citizenship. It's up to all our responsibilities to do it. Now, amongst us, uh, Richard, there's been some great presidents along the way that we didn't know were great at the time. Like, look at Harry Truman. Name me a top five category when they like presidents. He's not great or near great along the way. Right. He the guy's a farmer. You know, right. uh, with everything of Andrew Jackson, the big plus is this guy is a self-made success story. He was basically an orphan by 13. No other country does that happen. It wasn't the ruling class of Jefferson Monroe and Washington and, uh, and Madison. Then all of a sudden you get an outsider who's president because he campaigned and he went to the people.
1: Well, there's a whole – you can create a list. It starts with Thomas Jefferson and it ends somewhere in the 20th century and it's the list of those presidents who happened to be in office when there was a crisis and every other branch of government was closed for the summer or closed we've gone fishing so that – Thomas Jefferson had to create a Navy to answer the Tripoli pirates and Jeff and Lincoln had to do what he did in order to respond to the Southern secession.
2: So and I think it's so important too. nobody would have predicted that Lincoln was going to amount to be this great leader. Right. Only in this country does it happen. And when you talk about Thomas Jefferson, this guy didn't want to get a – He didn't want to get a platoon together to help fight a militia together to help fight the war. But he ends up one saying, telling uh, Adams, I need this Navy, and we're going to have to tell the whole world we're willing to fight for our freedom and had to send a message. An unlikely person, a great intellect. A guy
1: who would have voted against that Navy in a second, and yet because he was president, he knew what he had to do.
2: Right. And I'll bring you to another one that I think you could appreciate and you brought up before the show. Sam Houston. Sam Houston is a guy that was not achieving much as a kid. His brothers were much more enterprising, joins the military, finds a mentor in Jackson, has some problems. He drank too much for a while, had a problem with his marriage. Governor would just leave and with the American Indians. But then at the right person at the right time, when the war's about to start in the South, he's like, I, we're not going to do well. We should not get into this war. And they said, hey, if you don't vote for this war uh, as governor, you're out. He's like, I quit. So he left rather than fight for the South in the breakup of a country. That's character.
1: Yes, that's character. And we don't even think to include that in our little list (laughs) of checks and boxes. and, And what do we care about? If we cared about character, we would not have had the last number of presidents. And I actually uh, called Larry King one day, and I normally don't do this, but I called Larry and I said, I want to be on your show now. And he said, okay. And I went down there and I said, uh, I'm not a partisan, and you know hey, that.
2: Rich, why don't you hold that story? We're going to take a short time out. And come back. We have a few minutes on the other side. Richard Travis is here. His book is now out. you got to pick it up, especially if you're a parent. Uh, And it is One Thought Scares Me. We'll talk more about it when we return.
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News hourly update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: So when we left, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, the Academy Award winning actor who has a passion for this country, whose book is now out called One Thought Scares Me, was about to say why he called up Larry King and oh, said, yeah. I'm coming down. Now, by the way, it's good to be Richard Dreyfuss. How many people can call the number yeah. one talk show at the time and well, say,
1: put me on? I had a separate reputation because I was a, a new celebrity and I loved to talk politics and I wasn't afraid of talking politics. And so I was always being asked to do that. And there's a story about me and Dick and and uh, and Rumsfeld that will curl your hair. Okay. Uh, but this one was that I called Larry and I said, I want to appear on your show now. And he said, okay. And I came down there and I said, I want you to understand, important, that this is not a political statement, that this is not about politics or political principle. This is about – The man, Trump, who I am opposed to because he has no simple common decency. And what year is this? 2016. 2016. And I said, you have to ask yourself a question if you're impressed by Donald Trump. Imagine him calling you and saying that he's in love with your daughter. And he wants to marry her. Right. Would you be willing to say yes to Donald Trump being your son-in-law? Not your president, your son-in-law. And I must say, I think America has, has more than enough morality in its back story to be able to stand up and say, never. Never. Right. So you did not vote for Trump. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I did think... Did you have, have you voted for a Republican?
1: I have. Yeah. I have, and I would. I got no problem with that.
2: You. Just, I, you. Decided... I, as a matter
1: of fact, I would say that had he not taken it, I would have called myself a compassionate conservative, and I come from the left.
2: And that's pretty much what George W. Bush ran on.
1: Yeah. And I. And I would have used that phrase. But he had used it first. And so I could not do that. But I'm I'm against all of those phrases, all of those descriptions. I'm against them all. They mislead. They misunderstand. They make things simple when they're not. They create an impression of simplicity and understandability when it's incomprehensibly complex. So one thing
2: I get from you, you're a patriot. You feel fortunate to be born here, and you're concerned that people don't appreciate it, and you're taking action.
1: Well, without America, yikes! I mean, uh, just imagine <laughs> the, 1945 without the United States of you, America,
2: and or 2023. And I still wow. think, yeah, well, we the,
1: need we 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 need at least a dry cleaning. We need a we need. Some humility. We got it. Uh, listen, we'll talk
2: more about this on One Nation over the weekend. Richard, thanks so much for your time. Go out and pick up his book. One thought scares me, Richard Davis. Thank you.
0: Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Baier favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at FoxNewsPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.